Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Hello, and welcome to Forever 35, a podcast about the things we do to take care of ourselves. I'm Kate Spencer. And I am Dori Shafrir. And you know what? We're not experts. No, we're not. Alas. We're two friends who like to talk a lot about serums. And this week, I have been rubbing camphor on my leg, Dori. You know, Kate, I read this in our document. Mm -hmm. I've read the word camphor. I've heard about camphor forever. And I realized I don't know what camphor is. You know, it's funny because it's one of those things that I throw around and I'm still like, what is this? What is this stuff I'm rubbing on my body? Okay. Well, let me back up and just say I fell off a horse and I pulled my groin and I bruised my butt, which I think I have already discussed here on the pod. Yes, I've talked about falling off the horse. So you literally fell off the horse. <laughs> Quite literally. <laughs> but that's okay. I'm fine. And actually my recovery went very fast because the first 12 hours I, I felt like I couldn't I couldn't really walk. I was really hobbling. And then just some rest really and some Aleve made a huge difference. But I bought good whatever generic kind of like icy hot lotion I found at the drugstore. Mm. And the ingredient okay. is essentially camphor. And I was like, oh, we've talked about this in so many of the products we've discussed in our product recall episodes, especially in like Noxema. Um, and camphor is from a tree. It's, I believe it's like an extract from a camphor tree. And it's a, when the, mm-hmm. here, I'm going to quote from the internet. When the leaves and twigs are crushed, a strong menthol odor is released. Hmm. Now, I don't, I think what it is, is it offers a cooling sensation on the body, which kind of helps numb or soothe pain. I'm not quite sure it's like being soaked up into the skin and soothing the muscles, but it Mm. does feel really good to put it on every night when I get into bed. Okay. So I have been enjoying rubbing this camphor gel all over my left butt and groin. Mm. Okay. <laughs> Did that give you a visual that you maybe <laughs> didn't want? I mean, I do want it. I always want it, but wow. Okay. You know, and I, I actually like, I was kind of, I don't really do much for sore muscles. I took a major Epsom salt bath with like every grain of Epsom salt I could find in my house. And then I have obviously been icing and, and taking um, 
you know, leave, but like, what else are we putting on our sore bodies? I don't know. Like, you know, I, I, I think I've said this before, but I've been taking this strength class twice a week at my gym. Yeah, you have. And I'm getting stronger. Mm -hmm. I can like, objectively say I'm getting stronger. Like I'm using heavier weights. I'm not, I can like do more of the exercises, you know, like in the beginning I was like, Oh, sure. <laughs> um, and one of the other things that I have noticed is I'm not sore after class anymore. Like in the beginning, the first few weeks, the next day, and then the day after the next day. Yep. Like sometimes I could barely walk. Yes. Oh, I know those days. And you can't, it hurts every time you sit down to pee on the toilet. You like scream in pain. Everything hurt. Yep. Like, yes. And I would take a leave. And I do think, I do think the leave helped. Um, so, you know, this is just my little humble brag about getting stronger. I don't think you need to be humble about it. I think you should just brag. That's awesome. Oh, thanks. Thanks, Kate. It, it's, it's been really rewarding. And it also, you know, I do feel like not to get, I don't know, I did not mean to get all like deep. Get deep. But I do. It's funny because I think we have recently established that at my core, I am an introvert. But I also like being around people. Mm-hmm, same. And I also get motivated by people. And I enjoy doing a class so much more than like one-on-one personal training or trying to do it myself. Totally. Like it's just so much more fun. And that's been like, and I also, you know, like writing, I like writing with people and it's been an interesting sort of like learning about myself that I was not expecting. Well, I think there's something to be said for camaraderie and being like, you're doing an individual workout, but you're together in a larger yes. group. And I always like to say that I like to be alone together. Totally. <laughs> I lo- which I actually also love that feeling. Like I feel yeah, like I don't want to have to talk to you, <laughs> but I like being around you. Yes. It's like parallel play. <laughs> yes. This makes sense yeah. to me. Well, you know, I had we had many people visiting my home recently, and so I did a couple day trips to a local WeWork, and I was like in heaven of just being around people. Yes. But just being alone. Like it felt yes. amazing. I, I and yes. I, it's a it's a feeling I think obviously that has we've been deprived of existing in a pandemic for three years. Like it's not hasn't been as readily accessible and is still not totally, accessible for many. Totally. So I was like, oh the sounds of people's like voices and just just I loved it. So I'm I'm with you. There's a feeling that that feeling is really nice. Um, and I drive, or I, I receive a lot of kind of like, uh, like me- like my own encouraged, like it, I feel encouraged just by being around other people doing stuff. Mm-hmm. I'm with you. Totally. I'm with you. Wow. I did not think we would get here from Cam 4, but here we are. I think what that really shows is the journey every single episode of Forever 35 is. We don't know <laughs> where we're going to go. We don't know. We show up. We just up don't know. And we travel. We show up. We do. Do you have any other updates you want to share with us about what's going on? You know on? what, Kate? I do. Okay. I do have an update. I want to hear this. Do you recall that I mentioned a few weeks ago 
that I had previously tried Crest white strips to whiten my teeth and they hurt because mm-hmm. my teeth were too sensitive for them. And yes. I was like, you know, I, I've seen that there's a sensitive formula, but I don't know. And then finally, the other day, I bit the bullet and I bought the Crest White Strip Sensitive Formula. And I'm here to report, I've only been using it for two days. So I think in terms of like whiteness of my teeth, mm-hmm. we're not really seeing that many results yet. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But they don't hurt. Great news. At all. They do not hurt at all. So if you tried Crest White Strips and they hurt your teeth or, you know, whatever, you couldn't tolerate them. I couldn't tolerate them. Try the sensitive formula. Okay. I'm, I, I almost more have a problem with the feeling of them being on my teeth and kind of gagging. Like it, them activating my gag reflex. Does that happen oh, to you? Oh, that's interesting. Maybe it, I, I I actually think maybe try the sensitive formula. Like I, I think will. there just might be something in the regular ones that like I don't know. It's weird. And then now I'm like, why why don't they just make every one of them the sensitive formula? <laughs> I know. Like why even bother having the other one that bothers so many people? I guess so you can like sell more white strips. Um because people will like try the regular ones. <laughs> Be like, these don't work. And then they have to buy the sensitive ones and they've already spent, you know, Dory, the money. Can, can I say something? When I went to go to the store to buy Aleve, there were so many different kinds. And there was like yes. Aleve back in muscle relief and then regular Aleve. And then I turned it's all bullshit. It's all bullshit. I turned the bottles yeah. over. It's the same exact it's the same. amount. It's the exact same thing. I kind of discovered this when I was, um, like when I would buy baby stuff for Henry, mm-hmm. like there would be like baby userin ointment. Oh my gosh, and yes. You'd, and you'd like look at it and be like, oh wait, this is exactly the same, mm-hmm. but they're just charging like $2 more mm-hmm. for the baby <laughs> formula. <laughs> same with like infant Tylenol versus children's Tylenol. Like it's, there's just so many things that they like repackage and charge you more. Yep. Well, it is a scam. I want to see if I don't no pressure, but if you feel like taking like your a picture of your teeth now and then maybe like a picture in 10 days because I've been using yes. this Colgate optic whitening system and I'm not sure it's doing anything. Okay, but it doesn't well, hurt I my t- teeth. I, so I forgot to take a picture on day 0, but I did take a picture the first day after I had used them. I also didn't realize, like, I assumed that it was like a retainer. Like you had, like, once you started using white strips, you had to like use them constantly. And then I saw in the box that you're only supposed to use them twice a year. Like the the cycle. Oh. So you do like a 14 day cycle twice a year. I think that's kind of the vibe with my uh, pressed, not crest, Colgate thing, but I think it's like 10 days, but then I don't know how to, when I'm supposed to circle back. So Okay, I should re- I should research that. So, I don't know. It's all it's all interesting. But yes, sensitive crest white strips. Okay, Kate. Before we get to our guest though, because we do have a guest yes. who's wonderful. Amazing. I just want to remind everyone, you can visit our website, forever35podcast.com. We do have links to everything we mentioned on the show. I I've I've said this already, but I I've been tagged in some Facebook posts, like people having trouble finding the links. They're all in the episodes tab. I know it's confusing. Look, I know it is. Maybe project for like the next year. We'll try yeah. to get get links reorganized. Yes. Um, 
but yeah, they're they're all there. I I'm ninety nine percent sure. <laughs> um, you can also follow us on Instagram at Forever Thirty Five Podcast. We have a shop my shelf thing at shopmy.us slash forever35 that has all of our favorite products. We have a newsletter at forever35podcast.com slash newsletter. And you can call or text us at 781-591-0390. And you can email us at forever35podcast at gmail.com. Dory, I would love to tell our listeners about today's guest. Please. We had the pleasure of talking to Dr. Whitney Bowe. Now, you might be like, hmm, that name sounds familiar. I follow her on TikTok where she's amassed over 1.1 million followers. Uh, Yes. Yes, she is. Dr. Whitney is a New York-based dermatologist. She has appeared on programs like Good Morning America and The Rachel Ray Show. She has been featured in publications like The Wall Street Journal, New York Times, Allure, InStyle. She has a massive social media following. She is extremely accessible and engaging on TikTok. And she recently even launched her own skincare line. She's also got the goods to back it up, baby. She attended Yale, where she graduated summa cum laude. Would listen to this, a Bachelor of Science in Molecular, Cellular, and Developmental Biology. She went to Penn where she studied medicine. She is the medical director of integrative dermatology, aesthetics, and wellness at Advanced Dermatology. She has done the research and she is now here to share her thoughts. She's the real deal. She is. She's just on it. I was energized after talking to her. I was like, wow, I'm also going to be getting up at five in the morning with you starting my day. Totally. Um, but we asked totally. a lot of your questions, listeners, um, that were submitted to us ahead of the interview. So we were able to get her thoughts on everything from sunscreen to vitamin C. We just we we tried to dig in as much as we could. We did. All right, we will be right back with Dr. Whitney. Dr. Whitney, welcome to Forever Thirty Five. We are thrilled to have you. <laughs> I'm absolutely thrilled to be here. So thanks so much for having me, you guys. Um, yeah. I, I love, I love this pod. I'm a listener. I'm a fan. So Aww. it's such an honor to be here. Well, you appeared on my for you page a while back, and I have been a follower of yours for a while. And we talked about skin cycling on a previous episode. Like this, yeah. just it all feels like it was meant to be. <laughs> it's meant to be. So why, why I'm here today? Amazing. <laughs> so. You know, we start every episode of Forever 35 asking our guests to share a self-care practice that is resonating with them in their own life. Um, so I know you're a very busy person, but what do you do to, like, what is a self-care practice that you incorporate um, on the regular that feels good for you? So every morning, I like to start my day with something physical. And I actually like to cycle through um, my physical activities the same way I cycle through my skincare. I find that, you know, it's just, it's a way that, first of all, it's it's more for my mental health, quite honestly, than anything else. It has obviously like, you know, physical benefits as well, but it's really helpful for me to start my day doing something where I'm moving my body. So whether that be 
you know, doing, and, and sometimes it's intuitive, you know, sometimes it's like, what, what does my body need today? You know, of course there are the days that I love to get out there and play tennis or go for a run, you know, but there are days that uh, my body just feels like it needs to do something more like yoga or stretching or just going for a light walk. Um, so, you know, I'll do Pilates, I'll do bar. I'm learning how to play golf. I'm terrible, but I love it. Um, so, you know, I, I love doing something physical as the first start to my day. And then at the conclusion of that activity for about 10, 15 minutes, my favorite thing is to stretch and breathe. Mm. And I feel like that's about as close as I come to meditation, you know, it's, it's hard for me, uh, to sort of completely sit still, uh, and to just be in the zone and just focus on breathing. But if I, if I'm in a deep stretch and I know I need, you know, I, my hips needs and hip openers or I'm, you know, doing whether it's like a lizard, a triangle, a pigeon, like some, some kind of a stretch that feels like I'm, you know, stretching out my lower back or my IT bands or something that I know my body needs. And I'm sitting in that deep stretch and I'm just, focusing on my breathing and trying to be completely mindful, like trying to, you know, I can think about things that I'm grateful for, or I just try to just literally focus on my breath, but I try not to fast forward to the day. I try mm, not to so hard. start punching through my checklist or listening to, you know, my voicemails or like start checking my, you know, my phone, my emails. Like I really make a conscious effort to carve out that time. And I feel like that just sets me up to be so much more productive during the day and also have such greater patience, whether it's with, you know, with my daughter, um, with, with the ability to deal with obstacles and challenges as they arrive, arise, whether it's, you know, in my practice with my patients, if it's, you know, managing my, my business, my skincare line that I launched about a year ago, you know, whatever it is that I'm dealing with that day, if I, start off my day and do something that gets my heart rate up or my blood flowing, really focus on that stretching and that breathing. Think about even just one thing that I'm grateful for. One thing that I want to say, like, I'm, I feel really blessed to have this in my life. And then just try to focus on breathing. I feel like it just sets me up for the rest of the day. Can I ask, what time does this all occur? Oh my gosh, I was also wondering... <laughs> It usually happens before my house is up. So I'm a very early riser. Um, I tend to get up before the sun. I get a lot of it done before my daughter is up. Um, she is adorable. It's really cute how, like, I feel like when we think about like parenting, the one thing that we're always taught is like, you want to parent by example, right? You want to, like, for me, when I'm teaching, you know, my, my other parents, like, my kids never put on sunscreen. I'm like, well, the best thing is to model the behavior because if they see you putting on your sunscreen and they see you putting on your hat, then they know that that's just part of their routine. And so it's so funny. My daughter's 11. And just recently, she started setting her alarm for 630 in the morning. So she's plenty of time and she starts meditating and stretching wow. and breathing. And she okay. does an entire skincare routine all before breakfast. It's like the cutest thing ever. And my husband's like, what is going on in my house? Wow. <laughs> like, like, buckle we have a little up, mini buddy, because, <laughs> right? yeah. It's, it's really cute, but it, it's really, it's like, it's very sweet. So yeah, so I try to get all of my rituals done before she's even up so that when, you know, when she wakes up, I can give her breakfast and we can talk about the day, make sure her backpack is packed and I can send her off to school. But it's just funny that now she's literally started to mimic my morning routine. She just does it about an hour later than I do. <laughs> so wait, I, I want to just circle back to here to sunscreen and a hat because we are, we are sun 
like sun care obsessives, especially Dory, is really conscientious about sun protection. Dory, I love you that much more. We were talking before how my sister's name is Dory. And so we immediately had this kinship. And now you're a sunscreen worshiper. Like, okay, girl, I got you. (laughs) What is like, do you have a go-to sunscreen or a go-to hat even? Like Like, what are your best sunscreen sun protection tools that you keep in your own arsenal? Absolutely. So the first thing is you want to always use a vitamin C serum in the morning because that's the perfect pair for your sunscreen. So sunscreen is so important, but it only blocks about like 50-55% of the free radicals that are generated from sun exposure. So when the sun hits our face, you know, we've got all that UV light and infrared heat, etc. And only about it only about 55% of those free radicals are prevented from forming when you have sunscreen on. So you want something else to mop up the rest of that free free radical damage, oxidative stress, because that's what's going to really help prevent and slow down signs of aging. And of course, skin cancer as well. So I start with a powerful antioxidant serum, ideally containing vitamin C. Then I put on my sunscreen. Some of my favorite sunscreens right now, I swear by one called the Beauty of Joseon, J-O-S-E-O-N. It's a Korean sunscreen. In Korea, we have different filters that are approved that are not yet FDA approved. The FDA is much, much slower when it comes to approving sunscreen filters. And so Korea, the formulations are very advanced. And this one, I tend to apply and reapply. I'm really good about my sunscreen. Dory, you and I could reapply our sunscreen all day long together. <laughs> but I also have acne pro skin. So when I keep reapplying certain formulations, I'll find that I'm breaking out and I, you know, or if it's like a tinted sunscreen that's not made well, I'll find that it's dripping down and streaking down my face and getting on my clothes. And I feel like that formulation is beautiful and very lightweight. And so I'm able to reapply it throughout the day very easily without really breaking out. Some other excellent sunscreen brands that I love are La Roche-Posay, which is sounds very French and fancy, but you can get it really at any drugstore and it's a very affordable price point. Um, and then also Supergoop is a great uh brand. They have one called Glow Screen that has these light reflecting particles in it. So it's a little too disco ball for me in terms of if I put it like all over my face, but um, I do love to, I layer my sunscreen. So say that I'm using like my Beauty of Joshan all over my face and then I'll put my super goop on the cheekbones. Um, Elta MD also makes some really nice sunscreens. Um, There's this perception that they're mineral only and people are like, oh, I'm only use, you know, minerals. I only use zinc oxide and, you know, titanium dioxide. So I use Elta MD, but it's actually considered a hybrid sunscreen, which means that it's a combination of both a mineral sunscreen as well as a chemical sunscreen. Um, I think that there's a lot of fear mongering going around about chemical sunscreens. And quite honestly, I'm, I don't like to feed into that. Um, so, you know, I think a lot of people are just worried that it's going to be toxic and it's going to kill them. And me, Meanwhile, like we know that the sun can cause melanoma. We know that tanning beds can mm-hmm. cause melanoma. Like we know that UV rays is a known carcinogen, you know, the way that cigarette smoke is. Like we know that it can cause, but we we don't know exactly what some of these sunscreen ingredients are doing 
to our skin, our body. Some of them are absorbed more than others. You know, in general, I'm not super concerned about, you know, the, the safety hazards. There are a couple of ingredients that I personally tend to avoid. Like I don't like to use oxybenzone. Um, that one's a little bit more controversial in terms of both our health as well as like marine health and the health of our coral reefs and our environments. Even that's still controversial. It's, it's one of those topics that's like hotly, hotly debated right now, even among like environmental experts and scientists, you know, how much of it is because of the sunscreen ingredients, how much of it is because of global warming. You know, there's so many different factors involved that, you know, can be leading to the bleaching of the coral reefs and what is considered reef safe, quote unquote, you know, but in general, you know, I do feel comfortable using the chemical filters, except for, you know, with the exception of something like oxybenzone on my face, on my daughter's face. For the rest of our bodies, I tend to prefer sun protective fabrics. So Kate, you were saying before, like, what kind of hat do I recommend? So when it comes to like fabric, so, so when we think about sunscreen in the skin, we think about SPF. That's something that people are familiar with. SPF is a measure of how much something protects against UVB rays, UVB for burn. What SPF doesn't cover is UVA rays, and you can think A for aging, which is a whole other category of ultraviolet rays. So for that, I like to look for the words broad spectrum, but there are some countries that actually even do UVA testing. So they'll look for, they do something called a PA grading system with like certain number of plus signs. So mm -hmm. I'm looking for the SPF, which represents UVB protection. And I'm also looking for the UVA protection when I'm recommending sunscreens and when I'm looking at those. But when it comes to fabrics, we don't use SPF. We use something called UPF. So UPF is basically like SPF, but for fabric. So I recommend a UPF 50 plus when it comes to like looking for a rash guard or looking for a hat or a visor. So just recently on my Instagram uh, stories, I was, I was, I'm always gifted like a bunch of different things that are related to the sun and skincare. And I got this great visor that was really broad rimmed um, and it hit UPF 50 plus. And so I talked about it on my channel, but you know, I do always look for that UPF 50 and I'm always hunting for something that's going to protect me, especially my body. So I don't have to reapply sunscreen from head to toe yeah. all day long. It is just completely inconvenient. My daughter doesn't want to do totally. it. Like I'd rather just wear a lightweight, breathable fabric, you know, that has that sun protection built in. What do you wear to the beach slash do you even go to the beach? So I'm always on the beach. I'm like, I'm probably one of the most outdoor dermatologists that you're <laughs> ever going to meet. So I'm definitely that person who's like, outside, but just practicing sun safe mm -hmm. behavior. So I'm wearing my sunscreen on my face, neck and chest, tops of my hands. I'm reapplying that throughout the day, but the rest of my body is covered with a fabric just because it's so much easier. You know, mm -hmm. it's just, it's just realistically speaking, like it's, it's really annoying to have to, to keep reapplying that sunscreen. So if you find the right fabric and it's a breathable fabric and it doesn't, you know, make you feel like you're just suffocating and sweating underneath it. And some of the brands now are super cute. Like it used to be, you know, not so, not so flattering. Right. You know, I'd be the mom at the pool who was like, Oh God, you know, at least I'm being good to my skin, but nobody really wants to look like me right now. But now I feel like there's a lot of like, you know, surfer inspired yes. kind of, you know, fabrics. A lot of the bigger brands are getting into this. And so we're seeing some really cute, you know, options out there now. So we're just going to take a short break and we will be right back. I am the first to admit that gift giving is not easy for everyone. 
it's taken me a long time to become like a halfway decent gift giver. But what I have learned is that the best way to win the gift giving game is to gift memories. Ooh. And you know how you do that, Kate? I'm I'm ready. I'm listening. The aura digital Mm -hmm. frame Mm -hmm. preloaded with decades of family photos. We have gifted this to many people. And when you gift this, your family will love looking back on childhood memories and seeing what you're up to today. Even better, with unlimited storage and an easy-to-use app, you can keep updating the frame with new photos. So it's really the gift that keeps on giving. It's super easy to set up. It takes literally two minutes. You download the app. You set up the Wi-Fi. Boom. Boom. You're good to go. Yep. We have given this to my parents. We've given Mm -hmm. this to Matt's parents. Mm -hmm. Same, same. It's so easy because you can add photos from the app like anytime you want. And also like my brother has the app so he can add photos from his family. My sister has the app so she can add photos. My parents also have it. So they also add their own photos. That is one of the coolest parts I think of the Aura Frame is that everybody can contribute. Yes. I love that about uh, we have two aura frames in our house i have Ooh. one in my office and yeah and one in our family room and do my they kids have, love it do they have the same pictures on them no they have different pictures <gasps> Ooh, mm-hmm. oh that's interesting maybe i should get one from my office I'm looking at a picture of my in, children right now right interesting mm-hmm. hmm. putting that away for later store that Yes. Uh, The Aura app lets you share photos more securely than with email, which is what many other digital frames require. And also then you're not taking up your email storage. So win-win. And right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Forever 35 listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A frames.com. Use code forever35 at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Now, look, I don't know about you, but when I hold on to some negative feelings, it really starts to impact my day to day. I get a little snippy and short with the people in my life. Things start to really feel overwhelming. And look, it's just generally not great for me or for the people that I am interacting with. And I do find that my time in therapy is a real safe space to get those things off my chest and figure out how to work on and work through things that are weighing on me Mm. or maybe weighing on you. For example, like I have actually really been working on mindfulness in therapy Oh, nice. Nice. Yeah. Easier said than done, but that's the work, right? Like just learning about kind of like really creating a breathing practice and paying attention to my physical body and my feelings. Therapists are trained to help you figure out the cause of challenging emotions and to learn productive coping skills. If you're thinking about trying therapy, Try BetterHelp. It's convenient and accessible anywhere because it is 100% online. All it takes to get started is filling out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. And if you're not vibing with the therapist, you can switch at any time for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Forever35 today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com slash Forever35. You know, one thing I think is really kind of interesting about skin, my skin, but all skin, is that like 
what it needs now in my 40s is not what I needed in my 30s. Totally. Definitely not what I needed in my 20s. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But like, how are you supposed to know what your skin needs? It's hard. It's hard to know. Especially when there's just like so many products out there. The overwhelm is real. It's a struggle to even know how to get the results you want, what products to start with. This is why we're super excited to partner with Apostrophe. Apostrophe is a prescription skincare company that offers science-backed medications that are clinically proven to help. I have used Apostrophe. I love it. They will pair you with a board-certified dermatologist who literally creates a personalized treatment plan for your skin. I have done this a few times now. It is so easy to do their online consultation. You upload photos And like within a few weeks, I had done the consultation and received my treatment plan and my product. Amazing. And that is how I became a Tretinoin gal. I love the Tretinoin that they sent me. I love their sunscreen. Both products have been amazing on my skin. And you, Forever 35 listeners, can get a special deal from Apostrophe. You can get your first visit for only $5. That's at apostrophe.com slash forever35 when you use our code forever35. Now, that is a savings of $15. I like that. This code is only available to Forever 35 listeners. So to get started, just go to apostrophe.com slash forever35 and click get started. And then use our code forever35 at sign up and you will get your first visit for only $5. Thank you, Apostrophe, for sponsoring this episode. I think it's safe to say that we have suffered through bras. We've been uncomfortable in them. We've devoted whole episodes to finding good ones. But I'm here to say enough is enough. 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 I mean, Dory, have I ever told you? Have I ever told you what I did in college when I needed a bra to wear with a fancy dress? What? I cut the top of pantyhose and then I duct taped that to my chest. Oh. Sounds uncomfortable. Because <laughs> I, I didn't have honey love when I was in college. No. Well, we are here to say no more being uncomfortable. With no. Honey, no. With Honey Love's bras, you will wonder why it took so long to make something so comfortable and so supportive. There's no underwire, but through some kind of wonderful magic, they managed to not sacrifice lift. All while making it in a fabric that's so comfortable, you barely know it's there. Especially the crossover bra. I wear one of these almost every day. I'm wearing one right now because it's so comfortable and it easily fits into my life. But if you like a breathable and versatile legging, Honey Love has you covered on that front too. Plus, they have tanks, shapewear, and their V-bra that has molded cups still without the underwire to keep you from getting that dreaded uniboob effect other more relaxed bras tend to give you. So treat yourself to the best bras and shapewear on the market and save 20% off at honeylove.com slash forever. Use our exclusive link to get 20% off honeylove.com slash forever. After your purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them and please support our show and tell them we send you. Treat yourself to Honey Love because you deserve it. Okay. As a research scientist which is part of your background. You have a fascinating background. How does do you find that that influences your approach both like as a dermatologist but also just as like a person standing in their bathroom doing their skincare routine? 
Absolutely. So I'm, I'm such a nerd. Um, so I have published over 40 peer reviewed scientific publications, book chapters. I have a patent. I'm one of those people who is obsessed with something being evidence based. So I'm very critical and very, I, I just approach everything with skepticism, but also just, you know, being inquisitive. Like I, I'm open minded. I want to be open to new things, but I'm always approaching it with that sort of scientific skepticism where it's like, okay, prove it to me yeah, that it actually works. That. Good. Yeah. That yeah. seems and like so the right I, way to do it. It's, it, it definitely helps in terms of being able to find things that really work and, you know, make recommendations. Like I'm that person that of course my, my patients all come to me for recommendations because they know that I'm really doing my homework. And I think that's one of the reasons that, you know, I built such a strong following on social media so quickly is because, you know, I'm, I'm not just sort of, you know, spitting out information that everybody else is saying. I'm actually going back to the primary source and I'm saying, okay, wait a second. Like I get that everybody's been saying X, Y, and Z, but like what, what's the evidence? Like what does the science actually say? And so, you know, I'll go back and it's, it takes a little extra, extra digging, but that's my background. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm trained in clinical epidemiology and biostatistics, logistic regression. I took those courses at Wharton. Like I know how to look at the studies with a very skeptical eye. Not only have I published these studies in, you know, the top journals, but I know I used to be, you know, a reviewer to basically determine if the articles get accepted or not for publication. So, you know, there's a very different threshold when something gets accepted for like a really rigorous peer-reviewed scientific publication. And that's the lens that I look at when I'm looking at, you know, all these different products to see like, is this actually living up to its claims? And quite honestly, guys, like, it's taken on a whole new light now that I'm a brand founder because, you know, as I'm formulating products and determining like what claims I make for my skincare products, I'm now realizing just how much marketing hype there is out there, yeah. you know, because it's like, it's, it's so easy to make these claims and say that something is science backed. And then you look at the actual science that's backing that product. And it's just like, given my background, I'm like, Oh my gosh, how have these brands been getting away with this for so long? So, you know, so it's, uh, it's, a, it's definitely uh, been a, a huge learning curve in terms of just learning the difference between what a brand is able to do from a marketing perspective and then kind of ethically, you know, what, what a brand in my mind should be doing in terms of, you know, backing the claims with actual science. How does like a lay person cut through that BS? Like, like me going to the drugstore and wandering the aisles. So, you know, Mark, I'm so, I personally am so influenced by marketing, but so it seems like so much of beauty products, skincare products, it's all marketing. It's so true. And it, it's actually really, really hard to decipher. And even dermatologists, it, like a lot of dermatologists aren't trained as research scientists. Right. So even dermatologists, you know, we, your typical dermatology residency, maybe once a week, you'll meet in something called a journal club and you'll sort of learn a little bit about how to interpret the literature. But that's completely different from, you know, I actually took like took years out of my training to just focus on research and how to do research and how to, you know, critically analyze research, et cetera. So, you know, I think it's, it's asking a lot of the consumer to pick up a bottle and to be able to determine yeah. like just how efficacious something mm -hmm. is. So a couple things to keep in mind. One is that a lot of brands will base their marketing claims on an individual ingredient. 
And so that individual ingredient, it's called relying on ingredient supplier data. So say that you have a product that has one ingredient in it, and that ingredient by itself has been proven to repair the skin barrier. There are brands that will use that information from that single ingredient, and they'll say, proven to repair the skin barrier. And then there's a little asterisk and you scroll down on the website and you see the little asterisk is like based on an, based on an individual ingredient in this formulation. That's very different from doing a clinical study on the final formulation, like the product that you're holding in your hand that you bought from the store, because that one ingredient at a hundred percent concentration in a laboratory study may do X, Y, and Z. But when it's put in that final formulation, it may be completely different. So what you're looking for is you're looking for brands that are investing in clinical studies by a third-party testing facility, an independent, unbiased testing facility that's actually testing the final formulation in humans on real skin and not just measuring what's called subjective results. So it's one thing to do like a consumer perception study where you basically, it's like a survey. And that's where you see things like 97% mm-hmm. of people noticed an improvement in their fine lines and wrinkles. So that's basically giving out the product and saying to the people like, did you notice an improvement in your fine lines and wrinkles? And people are like, yeah, I did yeah, notice. Sure. Okay. Then there's something called objective measurements, which is what as a scientist, I, that's how I approach those types of claims. I want to use instruments. I want to use tools that measure changes in the skin. And if there is a statistically significant improvement in that parameter, whether it's dark spots brightening up, fine lines becoming smoother, firmer, you know, texture improving. Like if we're objectively measuring, quantifying, it's a mathematical change that you can detect in the skin using an instrument or using an expert grader or standardized photography, and you can actually measure that change to me, then I'm okay making that claim. So it's, it's a little tricky. You know, I think, uh, I think looking at, at brands, you can even ask the brands, you can like DM the brands, you know, on social media, a lot of them have customer service, you know, people who will be responsive to you, or you can directly email the brands and, you know, you can ask them like, have you done clinical testing on the final formulation and you know can you tell me about your testing protocols and if they say like oh yeah we have these special ingredients that have science behind them you know that they're basing their claims on individual ingredients that have nothing to do with the final formulation Ooh. which is the vast majority of skincare brands out there they claim to be mind. science fact this just blew yeah, my mind crazy okay. <laughs> wow i never thought about it this way mm. so love it dr whitney i think a lot of our listeners probably know you as i think we became aware of you through social media and skin, your um, skin cycling um, method. method. Yes. Thank you. I was going to say program. I was like, that's not exactly right. Um, Either yeah. <laughs> So first of all, could you just explain what that is for the benefit of our listeners who might not be aware of it? And then also um, talk a little bit about your new skincare line and how skin cycling informed the development of your products. Yeah. So skin cycling is, is a, very sort of less is more approach to skincare. It's a deliberate, streamlined approach to skincare. It takes a less is more approach where we're really thinking about maximizing driving results, but minimizing irritation. And, you know, in the past, we used to educate our patients, myself, my colleagues, we used to educate our patients in a very linear way. We would say things like, 
try to exfoliate the skin, but only do it, you know, two to three times a week. Um, retinoids are wonderful. You should try to include a retinoid in your skincare routine, but you want to start off slow and gradually increase. Oh, and try not to use your retinoid on the same night as you're exfoliating because that can irritate the skin. So we were delivering this information that we thought was very meaningful and helpful. But it turns out that, you know, our patients and, you know, the, and just, just people in general, when it came to skincare, it was, they were very overwhelmed. You know, they really felt like it was very complicated. And a lot of people were taking like a kitchen sink approach to skincare. They were just mixing, matching, layering, you know, different products, ingredients that mm-hmm, didn't necessarily mm-hmm. work well together. And it was leading to a lot of irritation. It wasn't really, you know, leading to results. So I started coaching my patients years ago. Uh, in the office, before even introduced on social media, I started talking to them about skin cycling. It was based on my knowledge of skin biology, skin histology, you know, how these ingredients work, their mechanism of action, which ones work well together, which ones complement one another. And so I started coaching my patients through this and they would come back month after month and their skin was literally transformed. Like it was, it was game changing. And they would come back and say, this is, this is, Amazing. Not only am I seeing these incredible results in the skin, but for the first time, skincare makes sense. Like I, I have this template in my mind that it just takes the stress out of skincare. So when I introduced it on social media, I started talking about it on social media in April, 2021, a while back. And it developed initially this cult following. And the initial way that I started talking about it was there's this skin cycling is the, the classic skin cycling program is the one that sort of went mega viral over almost 4 billion views on TikTok. And the classic skin cycling program is a four night cycle. So you start with exfoliation night on night one, and then you have a retinoid night on night two. And then you have two recovery nights, recovery night, recovery night, and then you cycle back to exfoliation night. So it's this four night cycle. It's this cyclical way of approaching skincare that builds in these push nights, these nights when you're deliberately pushing your skin outside of its comfort zone. And then you're also building in these recovery nights where your skin barrier can recover, your skin microbiome can recover. You're just thinking about hydration, repairing the skin. And by cycling through, that's where people were seeing these beautiful results. And in my office, I started then sort of having some nuances where I could flex up or flex down their skin cycling program based on their skin needs and their skin goals. So for example, somebody who had acne prone skin, I would start to drop recovery nights and build in more retinoid nights. So, you know, for my patients who had more like oily, acne-prone skin or my patients who were more accustomed to or able to tolerate more stronger actives, their skin had sort of gotten used to it. They were better able to tolerate it. They were able to do something like this. Like night one would be exfoliation night and then they would have retinoid night, retinoid night, retinoid night, recovery night. And then exfoliation night, retinoid night, retinoid night, retinoid night, recovery night. And so that would be their cycle. And then I have patients with eczema and rosacea who would have more recovery nights built in. So they would do exfoliation night, retinoid night, recovery night, recovery night, recovery night, exfoliation night, retinoid night, recovery night, recovery night, recovery night. So there's ways of it's skin cycling is meant to be a flexible framework. And really the goal with skin cycling and the way that I've been educating about it is that it teaches you this basic framework, but then it also teaches you to listen to your skin. 
So if you feel like your skin is thriving and doing well, you may be ready to level up and go to an advanced skin cycling program, build in more of those retinoid nights. If you feel like you're just super stressed, you're not sleeping well, or like it's the dead of winter and your skin's just dry, you know, and, and you're just having, or say that, you know, you overdid your exfoliating serum or something and you just need to sort of like regroup and rebalance everything. You may just build in more recovery nights, you know, so, so it's, it's been a wild ride. I feel like it almost broke the internet. It was literally in, you know, the Wall Street Journal, the New York Times, the Washington Post, page six. Yeah, were you like, um, what the F is happening? It, it was literally wild. Like I, you know, I told you guys before that I have an 11 year old and, you know, for all of my accomplishments in my life, it wasn't <laughs> until skin cycling that people were stopping us at airports and they were like, Oh my gosh, Dr. Whitney Bow, oh like gosh. your skin cycling method has changed my entire life. Like I used to be so self-conscious. I was wearing layers of makeup and they would have tears in their eyes and be like, you, you literally gave me back my confidence and my self-esteem and you changed my life. And, and my daughter seeing that it was like, all of a sudden I had street cred. I was like, yeah, mom's cool now. <laughs> all it took. So, all it took was going viral. Right. Yeah, to prove all those yourself. years of schooling and graduating top my class at Yale and University of Pennsylvania and, and like literally, you know, the patents and all the publications, like nope, those were not don't important. Matter. <laughs> you, you're verified on TikTok, yep. man. You got over a million followers on TikTok, uh-huh. like all of a sudden, like you're cool. It's a whole other level. <laughs> um, we have some other questions from listeners that we would love to ask you. And sure. this one really stood out to me because honestly, it's something I've wondered and I feel like this is a safe space. Okay. So a listener wanted to know, if I don't pop a pimple, how does the funk get out of my pores? Where does it go? Oh my gosh. I love it. So your body actually does resorb um, or, you know, take in all of the gunk. Um, So sometimes a pimple will naturally come to a head. And if it does come to a head, that's awesome. What I would love you to do is instead of pop it, put a pimple patch on, which actually the hydrocolloid material will actually absorb all that gunk for you. And you'll wake up and in the morning, it looks like it's like turned a little bit white right in the center. And that's actually the gunk that's absorbing into the hydrocolloid patch. So that's like a very clean, beautiful way of getting rid of that excess gunk. Um, But if you're one of those people who the pimple never quite comes to a head and it's just sort of like sitting underneath the surface, ideally, you're not rupturing it. Ideally, you're not manipulating it, picking on it or anything like that. Because if you do you can burst that material into the deeper layers of your skin mm. and that can trigger hyperpigmentation like dark marks and also scars. So you really want to try not to do that. But if you do leave it alone, the body actually naturally has a way of getting in there with enzymes and sort of it, it does like a little mop up. It actually breaks down that material and it flushes it out on its own. Wow. Oh, I was also very... I was like one of those things where someone asked this and I was like, wow, I've never thought about this, but now <laughs> I'm really curious. Where does yeah, it we, go? We have, we have a whole lymphatic system and vascular oh. system that sort of bring like, you know, we have like our, our, we have certain vessels that bring oxygen and nutrients to the area. And then we have other vessels that bring away sort of the debris and the, the stuff that you don't want to be there. Um, and so we, we have sort of this beautiful system that will take care of a lot of that inflammation for us. Okay. Thank you, body. Um, This is another question that was sort of after my own heart. Um, How much sun protection should you wear while driving? So when you think about window glass, um, 
any kind of windows, UVA rays can penetrate through the window glass. And so we talked before that UVB stands for burn um, and UVA rays are the ones that are primarily responsible for aging. They actually dive deeper into the skin, into what are called what's called the dermal layer. And so they break down our collagen, our elastic fibers. It leads to fine lines, wrinkling, you know, laxity, loss of elasticity. So if you are driving over the years and you're not using any sun protection, even if you never get a sunburn because the UVB rays aren't penetrating through those UVA rays will. And so I always recommend using um, some kind of a, a sun sunscreen, you know, on a daily basis if you have some kind of a commute. And those same UVA rays can penetrate through clouds, which is why, you know, even on cloudy days, if you're outside, you're going for a walk, you know, you still want to be careful about sun protection. Okay. Sounds good, Dory. Sounds like we're doing it right, yeah. especially you, especially you. Um, here's one. What is your least favorite skincare trend? Is there anything that you kind of like roll your eyes, not roll your eyes at, but are like, y'all, this really doesn't work. This is a bit of a gimmick. Um. Well, I think that probably like facial exercises. Um. I think sometimes you know, that one can be a little bit of an extreme, um, especially if the exercises have to do with contracting muscles that we as cosmetic dermatologists are deliberately relaxing in the office. Mm. Um, so, so there are some facial exercises that are more like yoga that sort of like relax the tension in the muscles and those are fine. You know, but sometimes I'll see people on social media doing these repetitive movements that I know are going to actually create etched in lines. And, you know, that's actually what we're trying to train people not to do with muscle memory by, you know, giving them, you know, some, some Botox or Dysport to relax those muscles. Um, so it's just ironic that we have some people who are actually like creating those problems. <laughs> okay, well, let's take a quick break and we'll be right back. So someone who is just sort of like dipping their toe into this whole world of Botox and fillers and whatever they want to do, there's so many practitioners. How do we evaluate who is, quote unquote, good and who's going to, you know, make us look like ourselves, I guess? 
Yeah. Yeah. I think it, it can be really scary. Um, and I, it's your face, right? So I think some of the red flags are, you know, you, you don't want to go somewhere that's, that's had like a group on or a, like if, if it's, mm. if the price is too good to be true, it's too good to be true. Um, another mm. really big red flag is if you call and you can get in very quickly and very easily, that's <laughs> not a good sign. You know, people who are in demand and are really good at what they do, they will book out way in advance. So you may have to go on a wait list and quite honestly, Honestly, like this shouldn't be an impulse purchase. It shouldn't be like you're sitting, you know, in your dentist or gynecologist chair and it just happens to be convenient. And they're like, hey, by the way, should I do your Botox before you leave? Like it should be a really well researched. Not to say that, you know, that all dentists and gynecologists are not capable of doing really great Botox, but you want to go to somebody who really specializes in that and really has, you know, been up to date and gone to all the cadaver courses and dissections and completely understands the anatomy. Because it's one thing to do the injections. It's another thing to manage the complications. You know, mm. people don't talk about the complications um, as often, but there really are complications. You know, fillers can make you go blind. They, you know, can lead to necrosis, tissue death. Like you, you can have major issues. And, you know, even if it's rare, you want to have that person who knows exactly what to do in that moment. You don't want that person to panic and say, oh gosh, I didn't, I didn't take that part of the course, you know? So, yeah. uh, so you want someone who knows how to avoid complications and then someone who knows how to manage them should they arise. And it's true. Usually that's going to be a board certified dermatologist. Um, but there, there have been some, you know, nurse injectors and physician's assistants who I've seen who really have gone the extra mile, you know, done tremendous, um, studying and, and really, you know, and, and shadowed me in my practice, shadowed my colleagues and, you know, spent a tremendous amount of time educating themselves on all of the nuances. So, you know, I, I, I don't think that it's it's, it's, you can't always say it's just one specific type of practitioner. Sure. Um, but I think a big part of it is going to be, you know, word of mouth. And if you see a friend, a colleague, a family member who has, who looks really healthy and beautiful, but doesn't look like they had work done, ask, you know, they, they may not volunteer the information, but you can say like, what is it that, you know, that are you going to somebody? Is anybody doing something for you? I think another thing to realize, like in my practice, you know, I, I, one of the reasons I got so excited about skincare and launched my own line is because I was one of those people who said to people, my patients, I would say, you may not need to do lasers. Like we can actually achieve some of this using skincare or, you know, lifestyle changes at home. Like let's talk about your diet. Let's talk about your stress levels. Let's talk about your sleep habits. Let's bring in a bag of the skincare products that you're using at home. And if there were things that we could accomplish without having them do in-office procedures, I was the first person to tell them that and help them and coach them and spend the time with them to do that. And I think that a, a practitioner who's in it for the right reasons, who's really in it because they want to achieve the best result for you, and they're really thinking about the long-term health of your skin and not sort of the quick Band-Aid fix – that's a sign. That's somebody who I think uh, you can you can be more ready to trust. So somebody who's constantly looking to upsell you, and if it feels like a sales experience, that's not a good feeling, and it shouldn't feel that way. It should feel like somebody you can trust. And if you go in and say like, "What do you think about all therapy?" and that practitioner is like, "You know what? I have the all therapy device. I've been trained in all therapy. I know exactly how to do it. I've treated thousands of patients over the years." Looking at you and doing the consultation with your skin and your skin goals, I don't think that's the most cost-effective way to meet your expectations. Mm. Let's let's start with this instead. 
And like, if you've got somebody who's having that kind of honest conversation with you and really looking at your skin, those are really good signs. Okay. We've taken a lot of your time. <laughs> so um, I just have one more question that is sort of a selfish one because I am very curious about this myself. Um, but can we talk a little bit about hair loss and PRP? Is that something that you do? Is that something that you think yes. works? What is it? Tell us everything. Okay. So, so first of all, hair loss is incredibly common. Um, it used to be something that men talked about very openly. Now I think that um, it's much more socially acceptable for women to admit the fact that they feel like they're seeing more of their scalp. Uh, their part looks like it's getting wider. Uh, when they're putting their hair in a ponytail, they can wrap that rubber band around way too many times and they're not happy with that. Mm-hmm. Or they're seeing more hair on their pillowcase or in their drain. And, and it can really affect your confidence and your quality of life and your self-esteem. And hair loss... Hair loss is one of those things that women often, it's like the last thing that they ask about. It's almost like as I'm walking out the door, they're like, oh, Dr. Bo, by the way, um, what do you think? And, and they're always sort of hesitant to ask. And then when I come back and I'm open to really talking to them in an evidence-based way about their options and explaining it to them, they they often start to cry. Like it's a very emotional topic mm. for women. Um, and I think we need to talk about it more. Um, and so, yes, yeah, so I do do PRP injections in my practice. What PRP injections are is we take about two teaspoons of your blood. So we actually draw your blood. We spin it in a centrifuge. We separate out the plasma, which is very rich in growth factors. And then I inject it into the scalp. Um, it is an uncomfortable, painful procedure. And so what I do in the office is I use something called Pronox, which is like laughing gas. It's a combination mm-hmm. of nitrous oxide and oxygen, and you suck on it while I inject your scalp and you're high. It definitely has been very helpful in terms of my self-help <laughs> and my PRP injections. Um, so I have done this for so many patients over the years. And I always say to people like, look, hair loss is multifactorial. You know, there's, there's stress, there's nutrition. Like I always do blood work first before I start with any of these things, make sure there's no underlying issues going on, you know, but when we do think about tackling hair loss, we have to think about it by approaching it in hitting it at multiple different ways and different pathways. And one of those can be PRP injections, especially for my patients who are a little bit reluctant to go on some of the oral medications or they've experienced some side effects from the oral medications or maybe they're using Rogaine, but it's not enough. Or maybe they're using a topical minoxidil or Rogaine and it's, and, and it's causing like some issues with the way that they the way that their hair looks. They just don't like the way that it makes their hair look or, you know, there's so many different reasons why we'll go down this path. So it's always, you know, a, a real conversation that I have with people about pros and cons and other things that we're doing as adjunctive therapy. Because mm. when it comes to cell fill, I would say about a third of my patients will experience regrowth where we see baby hairs growing in and we actually see the hair filling out and it's just, it's game changing and it's amazing Mm -hmm. and they love it. And it's one of the most effective and powerful tools for them. And they're thrilled. And then I have about a third of patients where it doesn't regrow new hair, but it basically slows hair loss. It slows Mm -hmm. the progression. And they'll say to me, I'm losing my hair, my aunt, my uncle, my mother, whoever it is in my family, like nobody else has hair in my family. And I want to slow down, you know, I, I, and we'll do it. And they'll start to say to me, like, I'm seeing less hair on my pillow. I'm seeing less hair on my brush. I'm seeing less hair on my drain. Like Mm. my hair doesn't look like it's getting thicker, but I'm not losing it the way that I used to. So for them, that's, that's a success. Right. And then for about a third of my patients who are doing it, we don't see that much of a difference. Mm. It's just, maybe it's subtle, 
but you know, it's, it's just not a wow. And so I, I very honestly have that conversation with all of my patients before we embark on this because it's expensive. You know, it's somewhere between $1,200, $1,400, a treatment. You need at least four treatments based one month apart to even determine if it's going to work or not. And then if it does work, you're looking at seeing me again every three to six months for the rest of your life. Oh, wow. For those injections, rest which are life. not fun. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, so it's one of the, especially if you have hormone related hair loss, which is the primary reason why I'm using it for my patients. Um, you know, if you're dealing with, or if you're recovering from a stress and, you know, there's other factors involved, mm-hmm. you may only need to do it temporarily, you know, but for a lot of my patients, there's an underlying hormonal component, a genetic component, and they know that they're destined to having thinning hair for the rest of their lives. And in that case, it is something that we need to keep up. We need to maintain, you know, we don't have to do it every month, but some of my patients are there every three months. Some of them are there every six months and we are continuing, you know, to keep that hair and, and to maintain the hair that we have. Okay. Good to know. (laughs) Filing that away. Um, (laughs) Dr. Whitney, it's been so fun to get to talk to you. Um, yeah, like truly a pleasure. Can you tell our listeners where they can find you? Absolutely. So my website is drwhitneybowbeauty.com. I have lots of blogs and information there about skin cycling, how to get started, um, you know, lots of, of great educational resources there. Um, and then I'm also very, very active on social media. So whether you're on Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, you can find me. Um, so my handle there is at Dr. Whitney Bow. Great. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. Oh, thanks for having me. Dory, did you feel seen when it came to Dr. Whitney's sun protection? I don't want to say obsession, but like, did you just feel like you found a kindred spirit? I did. I did. Anytime someone is like legit about sun protection, I'm like, yes. Also, we kind of messed up because we meant to record our interview with her on video and it was our first time that we were going to be doing that and we messed up the um back end the technical back end there was apparently like a setting you needed to toggle that i was not aware of oh it is now toggled okay okay <laughs> um anyway she has like her skin is there's no discoloration on her skin whatsoever it was she showed up glowing she showed up glowing. She did show up glowing. She showed up glowing. Um, and she spends a lot of time, like she loves being outside. She does like paddle boarding and tennis and all this stuff. And she she stays sun protected. She also, I, I loved all her sunscreen wrecks. I mean, it's great. It's just great. <sighs> well, tell me, Dory, last week you were on the hunt for a new book. Okay. Did you find one? I did, but it's like kind of cheating because it's a galley. I don't think that's cheating. Well, I mean, no one else can get it. I hear you. A galley, a galley <laughs> is a book. It's like a copy of a book that comes out ahead of time that's sent to like reviewers or other writers or yeah. books, book talkers. Got it. Okay. Okay. So I'm sure everyone has heard me talk about the Thursday Murder Club books. Oh, yes, we have. There is a new one coming out in September. Look at you. And I had seen 
that it was coming out and it wasn't on NetGalley yet. NetGalley is like where you can download um, galleys like online. And I just went back and checked the other day and it was there. It's called The Last Devil to Die. Um, so I downloaded that and I've been reading it. Yeah, it's out September 12th. So I'm sorry that you will not be able to get it for another few months. But well, I'm happy though that you have found something to read. Yes, me too. Um, th- just as an aside, I know that this happens in romance. Mm-hmm. I've never seen it happen quite so blatantly in the mystery world, but maybe it has, and I just haven't been paying attention. But so these Thursday Murder Club books were a huge sensation. They've sold millions of copies. There are now so many imitators, like every cozy mystery cover looks like the Thursday Murder Club covers. Oh. Everything is now described as like Thursday Murder Club meets like blah, blah, blah. <laughs> like everything is trying to be the next Thursday Murder Club. It's really funny. Oh, yes. I, that is that is for sure. I feel like in kind of the contemporary romance space, I totally, I totally hear that. Yeah. So like I see a cover that looks like it and I'm like, oh, okay. This is like, yeah, it's going for that. Well, it's like once, you know, once somebody sees what works, everybody, you know, we all want to get on board basically. Yes. Yes. Maybe I should read this book. I I haven't read a mystery in so long, but maybe this might be a fun departure or maybe I will audiobook it on the old Libro FM. Oh, I bet it's good in audiobook. I bet it is. I don't know who reads it, but I bet it's entertaining. You know, the, I told you the premise, right? It's like a bunch of people who meet up and solve a murder? It's about four older people who live together in like a retirement community. I love it. Who have a weekly murder club where they try to solve cold cases, but then the, then they are solving like real, like not cold cases. <gasps> then crime comes to them. Okay, of course. <laughs> okay, I can't wait. All right, I'll try this out. This seems like this would be a fun audio book. Okay, I'm on it. It's delightful. Okay, oh, that's so fun. This week, Kate, Henry has his first dance recital. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited for this as your friend who gets video. I'm really excited, but I also want to like honor where he's at on the day of the recital. And I Mm. am preparing myself for the possibility that he refuses to participate. Which is totally fine. Which is totally fine. And he does not have to. And I will not display my disappointment to him. <laughs> so I'm articulating this to you mm-hmm. and our listeners mm-hmm. um, because I know that that is a possibility. He is four years old. He's in a very temperamental phase right now. Mm-hmm. And there is a distinct possibility that come Sunday, he's just like, no, I don't want to. And I'm not going to force him. I think that's perfect. I really admire that. I think it's great that you're checking in with yourself about it. This is something that is ongoing forever, I think, as parents. is like our own expectations and projecting yes. and our own childhood. Yes. All that stuff comes yes. out, right? We can't help yes. it. Yes, exactly. You're exactly. a great parent, Dory. Oh, my gosh. Thank you, Kate. You are. You really are. Oh, that's really, that's really nice of you to say. So are you. Oh, thank you. I, I appreciate that. Oh. Oh. Well, Kate, mm. are you going to be like dark on social all summer? 
yes and no like no because i plan on being on it like for the podcast and like it's part of what we do so i'm going to be on it but i am i have just found myself actually kind of like using instagram less because it's just Mm. so overwhelming i'm like i can't Mm -hmm. even i don't even know how to engage on here anymore so i i think i might put up like a little bit of like this sounds so dorky but i might post a little like i'm not here for the summer mm-hmm. sign on my instagram mm-hmm. I don't like anybody's sitting there wondering where i am but i i do feel like sometimes it's helpful to communicate that and yeah um and take a little like just take a little pause so that i can just be a little bit more present and one thing I've, I think I've expressed is that as I continue to understand how my brain works, a lot of like apps and social media and these kind of like quick dopamine things, I, I it gives me mental clutter and it, I find it hard mm. to really focus on the ta- like the actual tasks in front of me. So say, I'm finding this with group chats. Like I'm actually leaving a lot of really big group text chats because they're just so constant and overwhelming and there's no really good way to silence them or to put up like an away message. So I'm leaving for my own, like just for my own brain care. Um, I love that. So that is something I'm still working on. And this week I'm just really trying to not push myself physically as I heal from my tumble off my horse not my horse but a horse um i tend to be the kind of person who's like i'm fine i'm gonna go out and right i'm just gonna push through yes yes i'm gonna i'm not gonna push through in fact i'm gonna i'm gonna push away i you know i don't know if it was like the pandemic or what but i do feel like pushing through is out (laughs) yes so was leaning in Mm-hmm. Pushing through. We're not going to push through. We're not if pushing you want, through. You know, look, if you want to, we support you, but you could also just, you could also just linger. Yeah. You could also just remove yourself. <laughs> you know what? We're just going <sighs> to put up, we're going to put up IRL away messages for all sorts of things. Just hang an away message on your front door. I love that. Well, uh, I also, okay. yes. Oh, oh. yes. Sorry, go ahead. I was going to do a really cheesy segue. Okay. I was going to say, I also love this podcast, Forever 35, which is hosted and produced by you, Dori Shafrir, and me, Kate Spencer. (laughs) And it's produced and edited by Sam Junio. And Sammy Reed is our project manager. And our network partner is Acast. And all of you are wonderful. Thanks for listening.